0: This morning, I want to talk to you just a bit about how the enemy wants to steal the truth from you. And not only does he want to steal the truth, Satan wants to turn you. That's his plan. He wants to turn your heart against God. And you you think about it, how amazing is that, that? He wants to turn you against a God who loves you. And here's the cruel irony of this. If you listen to the lies of the enemy and you begin to let your heart be turned away from God, you begin to have a sense of emptiness on the inside. And that emptiness makes you want to lash out at everyone because you're not not sure where that emptiness is coming from. And the very one who can solve that emptiness is God. And so you see how clever his lies are. Turn you against the one who has the answer to everything you're looking for. And as a result, we have millions of people around the world who are empty, angry and bitter and resentful at God because of this emptiness that they're not sure where it came from. And God is the only one who can fill their deepest need. How insidious is that trick, that lie of the enemy? And this morning, we're going to look at Another incident, another occurrence as the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt. You remember last week they camped at Rafidim, and there was no water there. And God had a plan and a purpose and a lesson he wanted to teach them. Well, the lesson we're going to look at this morning, they're still camped at Raphidium. And something happened. It's a battle. But it's a battle like no other battle in the Bible. It includes ingredients and things happening that didn't happen in any other battle. And we see something going on that seemingly does not make any sense. It's the strangest thing you've ever seen. And whenever there's something strange going on in the Bible, that's a good sign. God is sending us a message. He's telling us something. If we will listen open our ears, open our heart, and say, God, what are you saying to us? So I want us to read this next passage. It's still in Exodus 17. We were in Exodus 17 last week, but we're going to pick up at verse 8 in Exodus 17. I want you to read about this battle. It says in verse 8, While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men, go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And here's a weird thing. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand... The Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. <laughs> Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hand. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After this victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it out loud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, this is important, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now... The Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. I don't know if you see the, it looks like a little contradiction there. Did you, do you catch that? Put that back up if you would. In verse 14 he says, I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And then in verse 16 he says, so now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Interesting. Something is going on here that is beyond what's going on. And the amazing thing of this battle is that the victory in this battle is not determined what's going on in the battlefield. It's not determined by the men on the field. It's not determined by... Swords and shields and spears is determined by Moses' ability to hold up a staff over his head. And whenever he was able to hold his staff up, they were successful. Whenever his arms got tired and came down, they failed and they began to falter. And Amalek and the warriors of Amalek began to have success. And again, this this is not mentioned this kind of situation is never mentioned anywhere else. So you have to believe God was sending a telegraph to the church of Jesus Christ 3,000 years in advance. He's saying something to you and he says something to me. He's causing a battle to happen in such an unusual way. And I wondered, as I read this, I wondered how many battles have been fought On battlefields, but won because of prayer. How many battles in World War II were fought and won because there were people on their knees praying and seeking God? How many battles have been fought over the thousands of years where the real key to the victory was not actually on the battlefield, but it was in the prayer room? You see, that's the picture he's giving us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to glean from the truth that he wants to speak to us. The very first thing that's so important, so obvious, the enemy attacks you when you're down. Now, in order to see this, you, you really you have to know more than what Exodus 17 says. You've got to look at the a mention of this same battle. But now it's given, it gives us a little more facts. It's, it's found in Numbers chapter 25. Let's look at this. Numbers 25. It says, Never forget what the Amalekites did to you as they came out of Egypt. They attacked you when you were exhausted and weary, and they struck down those who were straggling where? Behind. They had no fear of god therefore when the lord your god has given you rest from all your enemies and the land he is giving you as a special possession you must destroy the amalekites and erase their memory from under heaven never ever ever forget this and it was so important remember he said write this down on a tablet in stone and never forget it Read this to Joshua, but don't ever forget this truth about how God was going to be at war with Amalek forever. Did you notice how Amalek fought? It is a picture of Satan himself. Because when does the enemy attack you? He attacks you when you're down. He attacks you when you're weary. And he doesn't come up front. He attacks from behind. He catches, now who would have been straggling behind? It would have been the women and the children and the weak and the discouraged. Those who had given up, those who were straggling behind because they couldn't keep up. And that is a picture of Satan himself. And God is trying to say, you need to be careful. Because the enemy will kick you. When you least expect it. Do not expect the enemy to fight fair. When you're at your weakest point, that's when he wants to hit you the hardest. Why? Because he wants to demoralize you to the point that you will give up. You see what we're finding, and the reason it looks like a contradiction, where in one place God says, I'm going to wipe out the memory of Amalek forever. And then just a few verses later, he says, I'm going to be at war with Amalek and his people from generation to generation. And God is still at war with Amalek. In just a few minutes, I'm going to show you an amazingly clear picture of who Amalek was And why God says what he does about Amalek. Because on the surface you think, man, why is he so angry at Amalek? What is really going on? It's a spirit. It's the spirit of Amalek. And that's the reason he will be fighting against Amalek forever from generation to generation because he might wipe out all the Amalekites here but guess what? More Amalekites are going to rise up because it is a spirit coming from Satan himself. We've already seen two things about him. God said in Exodus 17, He said they raised their fist against the throne of God. Now that ought to click with you. It ought to send a little signal to you if you know your word good. And then it says here in Numbers 25 it says and they have no fear of God. There's an attitude with this spirit of hatred and animosity toward God. Have no fear of God. They don't care about killing women and children. They don't care. There is such an animosity and anger at God that they want to kill the weakest. Why? So they can cause fear and intimidation in the rest of the people. And so that they might give up. We're seeing this with this army called ISIS today. They're operating in that same spirit of Amalek. Trying to hurt the weakest. Causing fear and intimidation. Why? To demoralize others so they will give up. And to us, this is a word, this is a reminder. The enemy attacks us when we are down. He attacks us when we are least prepared for it. So, what does 1 Peter five eight say? It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around looking, like, looking around like a roaring lion, seeking or looking for someone to devour. That's the enemy. He's looking for someone who has become weak, discouraged, down, depressed, straggling behind. That's who he's looking for. Because he doesn't fight fair. The second thing that I think is pretty important here. Leadership needs help in their battle against the enemy. Do you see that here? Pretty amazing. You know, you think about it. It says to take the staff. And so I brought brought out my trusty staff. And uh, sturdy. And he said, take this staff. Now, it's interesting The first three lessons, remember, the piece of wood. In the first first study, they threw that piece of wood in there, which stood for the cross, and it turned the water from bitter to sweet. Remember? And then in each succeeding one, the staff, the piece of wood, is a symbol of the cross. And so now again today, he says, Moses... Go up on top of that hill, and he says, I want you to raise that thing. And as long as you will hold that up, the enemy is defeated. And if you begin to waver, begins to come down, all of a sudden, you begin to fail. What a picture of how we cannot do this on our own. You need help. And I want to tell you, this is not just a word to leadership. This is, a, this is a word to every one of us. There's nobody here that can do it on their own. You need help. I want to say thank God for the body of Christ that we have people who will stand beside us, who will help us. And I thought about it. I thought, you know, what it was like to raise your hand and keep... And I, I don't know how heavy that staff was, but, you know, it was probably pretty sturdy... After a while, your hands get tired. And so you notice what he says he did? I need an Aaron and a her. One was a basketball player and the other was a golfer. <laughs> they stood and after a while, they began to hold up his arms and help him. And Now, oh, this is light now. This is easy. And as long as they held his hands up, he kept that rod up. And it was a sign and a signal. And I want to tell you this is a picture of how we need one another. This is a picture of how you need to lift up leadership. Thank you, Aaron. Her. I'm not sure which is which. <laughs> Leadership needs help. God works through authority. Everybody understand that? Important verse Romans 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Didn't say authority was always right. Didn't say authority didn't make mistakes. But he said the positions of authority are ordained by God. God works through authority. Satan works through anarchy. And that is what is trying to rise up in our nation today, is anarchy. Every kind of foolishness and rebellion against all authority is trying to raise up. God says He works through authority. And so I want to encourage you, be a person of God who lifts up people in authority. But... Beyond that, be a person who lifts up your brother, your sister. We need each other. If there was ever a picture of how we needed one another, this is a great picture of it. We can't make it on our own. Third thing, and I want to talk just a minute about who is Amalek. This is not only fascinating to me. But it's important to understand what's really going on here. And that is, who is Amalek? Let's look back again. Let's look at verse 16 again, back to Exodus seventeen sixteen. They have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. Did you, do you find it a little interesting that it's the raised fist? Did you notice how many of those today are raising their fist? It's a sign of defiance of authority. Where God's people have their hands raised in worship. While those who are of the spirit of Amalek have the fist raised. Now that should say something. I want you to look back. At Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you have weakened the nation. For you have said in your heart... I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Lucifer himself, who then was renamed to be Satan, has this same spirit of Amalek. Amalek was the grandson of Esau, who was Esau. He was the one that sold his birthright for a bowl of gumbo. Well, red beans and rice or something. But his unwillingness to think that inheritance was important was his way of saying, I don't care about God. I don't care about God's anointing. I don't care about God's blessing. I can do it on my own. It's that spirit of independence that says, I don't need God. Interesting. The name of Amalek's father was. What was it? Wow. It's The same guy that cursed and made fun of Job. Eliphaz, there we go. The same guy. Now, probably wasn't the same one, but it had the same name. So probably some, somewhere was, was a descendant of Eliphaz. But he was the one who made fun of Job after he lost everything. And then, interestingly, look at, if you would to First Samuel chapter 30. No, no, jump back. First Samuel 15. Let's look at that first in 1 Samuel 15. Verse 1, 2, and 3. He says, One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from heaven. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came out of Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. And I know that sounds tough. That's pretty tough. But you have to realize God was settling his score with that spirit of Amalek. Even to all the descendants. Because Amalek was a picture and a symbol of all that was against God. You all might also remember the Amalekites in First Samuel uh, chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, also 1 through 4. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. So let's just, just see. When did the Amalekites attack Ziglag? After David and his men were gone. After the warriors were gone. So who did they attack? They attacked the women and the children. Again, it's a spirit. It is an attitude that says they don't care for God. They don't care about fighting a fair battle. They don't want to fight the greatest warriors of David. They want to wait for David to leave. And then they're going to come in and take everything, burn their camp, and take their women and children. And if you remember the story here, remember what happened? It says the men who followed David begin to talk about stoning David to death. They begin to talk about rebelling against David because... He had led them into battle and they had lost all their family. I love what it says then. It says, David went and he encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, there are times you just need to encourage yourself in the Lord. When the enemy comes in and takes all you have, when the enemy comes in like a flood, when the enemy comes in and attacks you and and just hits you when you're down, there are times that we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord because other people won't encourage you, or there's no one around to encourage you. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. How did he do that? David was a worshiper i believe he began to sing and worship god i begin, he believed i believe that he began to play that harp and sing and worship god he began to encourage himself in the lord and remind himself god is faithful god is faithful and then he did something he says he sought the lord and said lord what do you want me to do now love i love the way god is he's right to the point go get him man What are you doing here? (laughs) Go and you will get everyone. And so David walked out, told his men, said, guys, let's go. We're going to go. We're going to get them. And God says, we're going to recover everyone. And they pursued them. They caught them. They defeated them. And it makes a point of saying they didn't lose one woman or one child. Everyone was recovered. Because he obeyed the word of the Lord. He could have given up. Is that a picture? What God is saying to us? Do not let the enemy steal you blind. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And now the next part is probably the most powerful part. And it's kind of interesting because... It began to show us what was, what was the staff, what did it stand for? The fourth thing I want us to see here, and that is Jesus is the banner we raise against the enemy. Jesus is the banner we raise against the enemy. Do you see the two things that he told him? He said, first of all, write it this down. I'm going to be at war with Amalek forever. But then he said... I'm going to name this place Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. Do you see what God was saying? That rod that has always been a picture of the cross, that rod instantly became a symbol of lifting up as a banner. And God says, the Lord... Is my banner. I love it. I love it. God is my banner. The Lord is my banner. Name this place the Lord is my banner. He was sending a message to us, the church. Telling us, Jesus. When you lift up the name of Jesus, folks, we have victory over the enemy. When you stop lifting up the name of Jesus, we begin to falter and we begin to fail and we get demoralized and we get discouraged and we want to give in, we want to pull back, we want to give up, we want to crawl under the covers and hide and say, leave me off, world, I'm getting off. But God wants you to lift high the banner, the name of Jesus. And even we see a picture of this in Isaiah. Beautiful picture. Isaiah 59. We're going to read this. It says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard or a banner against Him. And you say, okay... What is the banner? Verse 20. Look at verse 20. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression and Jacob. In other words, the banner is the one that will cause people to turn from their transgression. The banner is Jesus. The banner has always been Jesus. And when Moses lifted up that staff, it was a picture of you and I lifting up the name of Jesus, exalting the name of Jesus over every battle. And the thing that I see here that's so important, this was not a one-time lifting up the name of Jesus. You see that? This was not, you lift up the name of Jesus... One time and that's it. What did they have to, What did he have to do? He had to keep it up. That was a picture to you and I. This is not... Sometimes when you're in a battle against the enemy and you need to break every chain in your life and you need to have complete victory over the enemy, it's going to require more than one time saying the name of Jesus. It's going to mean continually continually over and over a declaration a commitment in your heart to say the lord is my banner the lord is the one i stand on the lord is the one who redeems me why because the rod was a picture of the cross and the cross is a picture of jesus he is the banner You know, I was preparing this message and I felt like the Lord said that there would be many here this morning that have felt like they were under assault by the enemy. And you have been. You have been. Your marriages are under assault. Some of you have been tempted to give up. Some of you have been under attack financially. And sometimes you get under attack financially so much you feel like, man, I'd just like to give up. Or maybe you're under attack with your health. And the enemy just hits you with one thing and then about the time that's over he hits you with something else and you just say, man, can I catch a break? And you just want to give up. I understand that. I've been there. But I want to tell you, I'm encouraged that the name of the Lord is our banner. And the name of the Lord is great. And I'm not going to be one of those who raises his fist against God. I'm going to be one of those who raises his hands to God. And worship and adoration to the King of Kings. And to the Lord of Lords, I'm going to be the one to say, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is the one who redeems me. The Lord is the one who breaks every chain, every, every bondage in my life. You know, sometimes you fight against bondages and addictions and strongholds. And you fight so many times. Again, you feel like giving up. And I just want to say to you, God cares about you. Before you were ever created in your mother's womb, He cares about you. I find that amazing, but it's true. Before you were ever created in your mother's womb, He loved you and had a plan and a purpose for your life. It's what Psalm 139 says. Before your days... He had it all lined out. And then you were fearfully and wonderfully created in your mother's womb. What's God doing? He's weaving together the plan and the purpose of God for your life. Creating in you personality, abilities, talents, callings, giftings. Things that you can do that I could never do. You have the ability to reach people for Jesus that I could never reach you have a unique gifting and calling from God to touch people for Jesus in your situation in your station in life with your calling your gifting you will touch people that others will not but you must grasp that calling and say Lord here I am and then when the enemy seeks to turn you. Remember we started out with that? He wants to turn you. You've gotta. And he, he he wants to turn you through circumstances and situations going on. The Lord wants you to lift up the banner. Say, The Lord is my banner. I'm not moved. I'm not going anywhere, Lord. I'm not going to turn against you. I'm not going to be turned and I'm going to trust in your name. And he will break. He will break every chain. We sang that earlier. Break every chain. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus. What an amazing story that you were trying to speak to us. That all the way in the Old Testament through an obscure battle and a man standing on top of a hill lifting up a rod you were speaking to the church 3,000 years in advance you were saying to us lift up the banner the Lord is my banner And Lord, I believe that when we will do that, we have victory over the enemy. When we fail to do that, we falter. And the enemy begins to gain ground. Lord, I pray that spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, and physically, Lord, we would be able to continually lift up the name of Jesus. And that when we get weak, and we see somebody beginning to falter, Lord, we'd go to their side hold up their arm and say here let me help you let me lift you up let me help you I know you're, you're faltering I know you're weak you're having a hard time let me help you Lord help the church be that way help us Lord I pray for every individual here today that's felt discouraged depressed weak Lord, I pray for individuals here this morning that feel like the enemy has been assaulting them. And I thank you, Lord, for reminding them today that you want to be our banner. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you, if you would. If you would join me this morning, if you feel like you've been under assault, if you feel like the enemy has just been doing a number on you and you have felt that discouragement and weakness, and you would join with me and corporately just lift up the name of Jesus, we're going to believe God to break those chains. Would you make your way down to the front? Everybody else just stand up. I feel like the Lord just, just said He wanted to break those things in our life that the enemy has been on the attack. If you would just come down to the front, we're just going to corporately pray and agree on the name of Jesus being lifted up in our life. Would you come? Would you join with me? Say, I, I want to I lift up the name of Jesus. I want Jesus to be my banner today. I need Him to be my banner. I need Him to break every bondage, every addiction, every trial, every battle. Worship team, we're going to sing this. Let's sing this.
1: There is power in the name of of Jesus. Jesus. There is power Chain.
0: Break, Break every chain. chain. Before we pray, before we lift up the name of Jesus corporately, I just want to say this. The Spirit of the Lord knows the battles that you are fighting. They are not hidden from the Lord your God. He is not unaware of the battles that you have faced the Lord wants you to know that he is for you and not against you that he will fulfill the destiny of your life he has called you and he will redeem you if you will continually keep up the name of Jesus in your life the Lord says I will give you victory thank you Lord I'm going to ask you if you would I'm going to raise the staff you raise your hands today our hands are a symbol of the banner the banner of the name of Jesus all over this room whether you're at the front or you're out there in the congregation i I invite you, encourage you today, lift up the banner, lift up your hands, declare with me, Heavenly Father, I lift up the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus will always be my banner. Lord Jesus, break every bondage that the enemy seeks to work in my life. Satan, you will not be successful. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my help. The Lord is my strength. I will not fail. I will not walk away. The Lord is my banner. Thank you, Lord. Break every chain, every bondage. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for helping me and strengthening me. In the name of Jesus. Amen. There is power Amen. In the name
1: of Jesus.
0: is continually lifting up the name of Jesus when you feel like you're in a battle begin to lift up the name of Jesus